and we are recording with the one and only Dr. Roger Hodkinson on Tuesday, June 6th, 2023 at 4.04 p.m. Eastern Time, the 79th anniversary of D-Day. My grandfather's brother, my great-uncle Rich, was there, 18 years old on Omaha Beach, so I always make sure to, you know, he's passed on since, but always make sure to remember the the great men that have made the life in the world that we live in possible and uh make it uh worth fighting for but uh dr hodkinson could you please introduce yourself for everyone who maybe doesn't know you i don't know how they don't know you but if they don't could you enlighten them could you enlighten the 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 uneducated masses well before i do that tell me victory Churchill's victory sign. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how quickly, how quickly we, we've forgotten. Most of us have forgotten, but not everyone. Some people do remember the sacrifice of uh, mm-hmm. guys 14 years younger than me giving their life yep. in a matter of seconds so that we could live in this world. And it does make it worth fighting for. And it, you know, as, as tempting as it is to say it's all screwed, it's all done. You do have to remember that uh, a lot of people did. A lot of guys went home, not even in body bags. Uh, they just got dog tags back because their bodies were unrecognizable or non-existent. And it's not its not exaggerating or dramatic to say without them, we would not live the life of freedom that we have today. And even though it's been 79 years, it is still important to remember the sacrifice that was that was made by hundreds of thousands of 425,000 Americans in World War II that to give us the life we have now that at 32 I can be doing a podcast from a bedroom instead of having to storm a rainy beach and get ripped apart by German machine gun fire and I do think it is important to remember that and that it's not jingoistic it's not propaganda it's the cold, hard reality of the brutal history of humanity that the freedoms that you and myself enjoy on a daily basis didn't just show up. They were one with blood and iron. And I think it's important to remember that. So that's my two cents on that. Well, I'll, I'll scoot through my credentials, uh, Cambridge Scholar, Corpus Christi College, Cambridge, did my pathology training in Vancouver, wanting to escape the odious monarchy and the class system of Britain. Um, uh, Done various things in my professional career, teaching, examiner, laboratory inspector, etc., etc. Done just about everything, uh, leadership roles in, in my profession. Uh, provincially and nationally, um, but um, most proud of um, having been president of the oldest Sir Winston Spencer Churchill Society in the entire world, which happens to be right here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the only one blessed by Churchill in his lifetime. The, the, the foresight of those founders was, was incredible. So, Churchill is one of my 
two heroes. Uh, my other hero is, of course, Flick in Bugs Life, who took one step forward towards the grasshoppers and made them fly through the roof. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> it, it, you know, yeah, this is what happens when one of them stands up. This is what happens when all of them stands up, which is... Enormous. Yes. It, an enormous um, example of mm. what should be happening today. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that that's me in a nutshell. Um, very proud of my career. I'm putting it all on the line for humanity. We went into medicine to serve humanity, not ourselves, not our pocketbook. Um, that came second, the recognition, the title, the status, the money, that that was secondary. Hmm. Uh, we're, we're here to serve you. And um, that's why I'm so, um, I'm standing up on the COVID matter, just as I stood up against big tobacco 25, 30 years ago, um, trying to get smoke-free public places. And we were modestly successful in that. Learned a lot of my media skills um, during that uh, important episode in my career. And uh, using a lot of those skills now, um, fighting big pharma instead of big tobacco. Hmm. Of course, they're, they're, not that, they're not that different in many respects. No, they're not. They're 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 drug cartels that lobby the government. That's just what it is. So some of the drug dealers are they wear uh, they wear masks and carry around AKs. Other ones wear three piece suits. Hey man, they're all drug cartel kingpins. It's just what it is. Um, and let me because my because I I do too many podcasts. I know what day it is, and I don't even remember what I did yesterday. and don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Let me pull up my email from you. Because I do want to pull up the, um, we talked about, you said three really important points. Number one is the enormous significance of reverse transcription. The second is the manufacturing screw-up, exosomes and bacterial DNA. And then third, of course, the explanations for reduced fertility. Either one of those sticking out that you want to grab first? Well, I'd like to add one. It just is okay. a very brief comment at the end. Um, my... Um, my role with the, the wellness company. We can elaborate on that okay, at the end sure. of the podcast. Absolutely. So jump in wherever you want, Dr. Hawks. You're the doctor. So, You're the pathologist. <clears throat> I'm the student. Well, what, one of the most um, disturbing uh, recent revelations, Tommy, has been this concept of what's called in the trade reverse transcription. A little side comment here. Um, dogma in medicine has been that DNA is transcribed into RNA, which is transcribed into proteins, which are the enzymes that are vital for cellular life. That was dogma. It went one way, <clears throat> DNA, RNA, protein. It was never thought that it would go the other way from RNA to protein. We call that process reverse transcription. The significance, significance of it now in the context of COVID is that we now know that in a Petri dish, looking at a growth of human liver cells, not in a person, but in an experimental situation, we do know that the mRNA in the COVID clot shot, as I prefer to call it, is reverse transcribed into DNA. Now, the significance of that 
is currently unknown. It's not been measured in people as opposed to in the laboratory. But if it does happen, the reality is that it is what we call transgenerational. It will involve the eggs and the sperm and any future generations will pass that DNA modification on to their progeny indefinitely. Hmm. One of the scary things is we don't know, first of all, if it happens in humans as opposed to a Petri dish. We don't know where it might insert into the human genome. Is it in the same place? Is it random? Is it next to genes that we know promote cancer or next to genes that we know suppress cancer? We don't know any of these things. But clearly, the ominous significance of it is something that should be urgently investigated. And that is not happening for the very simple reason that the people that control the money don't want to document it. I'm talking about NIH, Gates, Wellcome Foundation, etc. So we're in this awful situation of potentially a transgenerational effect that everyone knows could be happening, but no one is studying it. Mm. Now that, that insertion into the genome could be, I'm using my words carefully here, could be part of the reason we're seeing this apparent explosion of cancer in people who've had multiple doses of the genetic therapy. Quite apart from the immune suppression, that is also something that encourages the emergence of cancer, um, we have this ominous possibility that our DNAs have been permanently changed. Now, that is something that should get the attention of politicians in particular to demand that this be resolved. Yes or no? Does it happen? Yes or no? At, at warp speed, if I could purloin that, that phrase. Somewhere they have it documented, right? As much as the powers that be for really all of human history, but we could even just limit it to the last century. Not only will they go very far out of their way to make sure that we don't have the real story behind whatever it is that's going on, but they go out of their way to make sure they have the real story, right? There are, there are documents that if they would get out, you know, surrounding Kennedy assassination, surrounding whatever involvement in Vietnam would cause riots but they also keep beautifully detailed documents of everything they do. So somewhere they know what's going on. And it always comes back to this is, and we obviously can't know because we're talking about what we do know, but at a certain point you do have to draw speculation. Was this just a massive clinical trial because they wanted to see what would happen with it? Or was this intentional? Is this some mad scientist pushing the boundaries of science? Is it guinea pigs? They just want to see what happens with generational transcription. Was it really an accident? Was this just the blind pursuit of money? 
was this just the a bunch of politicians reacting to a as you always say they just want to be shown to be doing something i want to report on my desk tomorrow for no other reason than i'm a politician who needs to have a report on my desk tomorrow i mean is it on one end just the folly of man on the other end is it machiavellian um conspiring or is it somewhere in between Tommy, I, I do not believe that this was a an intentional genocide. Okay, they could have, they could have done a, it much more efficiently if it was. That's my two cents. Exactly. There's certainly a big kill going on. Sure. And it was not an efficient way of killing people, and they wouldn't have known if it did kill people anyway, given the limited trials that they were doing. Yeah. And I I believe in. Uh, I always put this out. Occam Occam's razor. Yeah. The most, the most, uh, the simplest um, explanation, it, the most obvious explanation, is probably the most likely one. And um, by that I mean a combination of three things going on simultaneously, which I summarize as follows: stupendous greed, Machiavellian manipulation. And the third one escapes me for a second. It will come to me in a minute. Greed, manipulation, disregard, and uh, hubris. Uh, it'll it'll come to me in a second. Okay. I, I don't think you you need to go any any further than than um, than those um, because it uh, other explanations just just are not very rational in my opinion. There was no. There was no document in the top right-hand drawer of every prime minister and president yeah. internationally. There would have been a whistleblower. Yeah. It's a lousy way to kill people. I think you have to look no further than the fact that DOD was lusting to implement this in case there was an Armageddon virus. Mm -hmm. And the implementation of it, unfortunately, got totally out of hand. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with you. Is, is Occam's razor more often than not? It's the explanation, and these aren't like light explanations we're throwing out. Greed, <laughs> the pursuit of power, and mm -hmm. utter apathy and disregard for human life. I mean, that's that's like on our resume as human beings. Like if an alien showed up here, studied us, and then they had to make a make a flashcard to show their boss, they'd be like, "Yeah, real quick." They walk on two legs. They hate everyone, and they're all trying to get money at the expense of everyone else. Like that's yeah, that that's our motto. <laughs> The third, the third one was gigantium greed, stupendous stupidity. All alliterations, I like that. Stupendous stupidity, gigantium greed, and Machiavellian manipulation. Okay. All applied full bore for three years, and bingo, we got you in our sights. You're scared shitless, and we can do anything we want. Yeah. Okay. So. I guess it's, and I think those things have probably, I mean, not, I think, I know those things have always been present, but I think we just saw, I always use this, this explanation of when me and my best friend in high school, Joe, got arrested for drinking and we were just walking around his, his, his neighborhood and we got arrested. Stupid. We we're 17 and my parents had to come pick me up because the cops were cool enough to not, you know, arrest me. And, uh, then my parents came and picked me up. I was shit-faced. And I was, lying, I was lying to my dad on the ride home, saying this is the first <laughs> time I'd ever drank. 
and he was just like, he was just like, don't lie to me. Like, like, you think I fell? You think I was born? You're 17. Of course you're drinking. <laughs> don't lie to me. This is the first time you got caught. I was like, you know, now I look back at it and I'm like, oh, Jesus. I think that they've always been doing this. And the more you research, you know, with the opio- yeah. opioid epidemic well, or even farther back, thalidomide. This has always been present. I think it just went to a global scale. And now the shit that they've been pulling, the corners they've been cutting, mm-hmm. got so big that it's like, oh, oh, oh no. COVID, COVID was a very fortunate event because COVID blew the lid off yes. all the corruption that's been going on in every institution internationally. For decades. And if it hadn't been for COVID, we would have still been puttering along, totally naive, about the gravity of what we now know. Yeah, they got they got arrested for drinking. They got caught. <laughs> they got I've caught. never done it before. Shut up. They got caught. Whether yeah. it's government, WHO, politics, uh, the media, justice system, physicians, regulatory agencies, medical journals, um, religious leaders, not to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. All of the above are corrupt and have lied through their teeth for three solid years. Hmm. Now, do you think that so? We... Thank, thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. It's a big wake-up call. No, I really do think it is, and it's, uh, I, it's, I'm part of it is, is I'm, uh, I'm nauseatingly optimistic. And I have to find the silver lining in things. But I mean, really, no, I do, I do look at it as, is, I mean, in many ways, a blessing. It, it, it pulled the veil off of more things: media corruption, social media, First Amendment violations. Right. I mean, things, things that have been creeping onwards that we'd probably just been walking around like zombies, not really paying attention to. To it was so big, we started to see the lie. You started to go, you know, before this, it was always, do you think the government's uh, using social media? Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And then, yeah, maybe for, like, national security. Maybe in the in the case of an emergency. Versus, like, hey, man, isn't it weird? Across all platforms, overnight, you can't talk about where did COVID come from? You can't talk about ivermectin? To the point where it's, it's no longer a theory. You start going, no, everyone's picking up on it. And we wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Well, Tommy, um, should I change gears? Yeah, into do whatever you manu- want, man. Into manufacturing. Yeah, let's do it. Another, another recent development has been the discovery that in those vials of the experimental genetic therapy, so-called vaccines, which are not, in those vials, there is a large amount of contaminating material. And it could be, we, we talk about bad lots, it, the bad lots could be because of an overwhelming concentration of the nanoparticles, much more so than in other lots. Mm-hmm. But it could also be because of the extremely crude manufacturing process that a lot of, a lot of stuff got into those vials that is also causing some of the complications. And I'm talking here about DNA from the bacteria that are used to clone 
the genetic information for the spike protein. It gets a technical name. They grow E. coli in great big vats, <clears throat> having introduced into the E. coli what we call a plasmid, mm -hmm. a separate circular mm -hmm. um, bit of DNA, quite apart from the DNA in, the, in their usual nucleus. We put into the cytoplasm of these E. coli bacteria a plasmid that has the genetic information to code for the spike protein. <clears throat> now, whenever an E. coli divides in your gut, all the DNA in it, both the original DNA and the separate things called exosomes, the separate, the separate, uh, sorry, plasmids that are called plasmids, the separate, the separate DNA in the plasmids also divides indefinitely, indefinitely. And so one possible explanation for long COVID so-called is the uh, continued production of spike protein in your bowel. Very interesting, very interesting concept. In your bowel. The other, the other thing about the manufacturing process is all, there's been a lot of hype out there, quite unjustified in my opinion, about all kinds of material found microscopically. <clears throat> I, I suspect it is in there. I don't think it's intentional introduction of graphene or other agents, but I do believe that the many steps in the so-called attempts at purification of this product Inevitably, when you're producing such a large volume uh, so quickly without appropriate quality assurance, it's quite likely that a large number of contaminants from the purific so-called purification process get into, get into each vial. <clears throat> so we have a totally unregulated, untested product in many aspects, not just the effects of the lipid nanoparticles themselves, not just the effects of the spike protein, but also the contamination that was almost certainly present in, in the vials themselves. Okay. So the, the plot, the plot is thickening all the time in terms of how we might explain these many and various terrible medical consequences that are now being documented internationally. And doctor who I've had on here before, Dr. Oddity Bargava, um, of uh, UCSF, I think medical school. Yeah, UCSF medical school has come on here a couple times and discussed it. And she thinks a lot of it does come back to the manufacturing, the very manufacturing of of um, uneven distribution of the mRNA in the lipid nanoparticles. So some people get a shot, and you're probably getting next to nothing. It's probably it's probably yeah. the equivalent of saline. Other people are getting a normal shot for better or worse and then the the dramatic you know death within 24 hours are theoretically from a massive on it's like um a more simple explanation would be you know the the problem with fentanyl right it, it's such it's such a small dose that a pinprick can kill you and so if you dose it unevenly if you're pouring yourself a drink right and you fill it with beer you know, you can get a nice little buzz. You accidentally dump a little vodka in there. 
you're going to notice it and you're going to get you're going to get a little fuzzy a little quicker but it's, it's probably not going to kill you unless you chug the whole bottle but imagine yep. if you could add a milliliter of fluid in here that was somehow equivalent to a gallon of vodka and it just killed you you wouldn't no one really know why and she i mean i'm sure i'm butchering it with my neanderthal language but she speculates that it's just it's such a small amount i mean really what is it nanograms micrograms of this mrna that the uneven distribution is causing that dramatic that that sudden death not the you know a year later something's maybe wrong but that yeah, I, dead within 12 I, hours I, kind of thing ex exactly that that um that explanation would apply to rapid death after the vac. So the contaminants themselves mm. are, are not likely to be hanging around. They'll be cleared by the spleen, the liver, whatever, reticular endothelial system. And uh, it, it's, it, it could well be that. Plus, of course, the very known extreme, extreme toxicity of the spike protein itself. I mean, wh what a mad mad experiment to make many millions of your cells in your body produce on the surface a known toxic protein that will be attacked by your immune system as being not you killing those cells that are expressing the spike protein on the surface randomly at a concentration that's quite erratic in different organs. But that could explain this great variety of syndromes because we don't know where in bulk those that cell death would have taken place. It might be the liver, it might be the brain, it might be the heart, it might be the kidneys, etc., etc. Mm. The random the randomness of that. There's so many unknowns here, Tommy. I, I, I would I would comment upon that as follows. It's bad enough to have done something on such a scale that wasn't needed, wasn't tested, and didn't work. That is bad enough. What is even worse from a political perspective is to have these uh, danger signals um, elaborated and choose, choose not to investigate it because of it implying your guilt and and all the consequences that would come from that to me to me that is infinitely more culpable than doing it in the first place is being told that it's happening and choosing not to do anything hmm. with the uneven distribution the obvious, the, the the biggest change would be that that dramatic sudden death within yep. twenty four hours. Yeah, are we now? Do you believe with reduced fertility amongst others, or you know, turbo cancers, as Doctor Cole would say, are we now seeing the effects of even a quote unquote normal dose of the mRNA? Yes, uh, and the second phase, you might say, and the, or the permanent phase potentially. Yeah. Um, you alluded to fertility issues there, Tommy. Would you like me to run through Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Go for it. For people? This is a story of multiple hits at different 
points along the fertility pathway. Let's start off with the men. We have a little part to play in this. Spermatozoa counts have been dropping internationally well before COVID for reasons that are quite unclear, all kinds of theories about it that I, I could go into at a separate time. But spermatozoa counts have been dropping significantly internationally for decades. And then along comes the genetic experimental therapy. And we know for certain that there is at least a temporary, and whether it's permanent or not remains to be defined, at least a temporary significant drop in both the spermatozoa count, the spermatozoa morphology, their appearance under the microscope, and potentially their functional ability to penetrate an ovum. Point one. Point two, the other side of the equation, over. We know from Dr. Bridal's um, extraction from the Japanese authorities of the Pfizer clinical trial, we do know that in rats using just nanoparticles, nothing to do with RNA, we do know that in rats, nanoparticles hone particularly on the ovary. Experiments not being done in humans. Let's assume that it's happening in humans. The nanoparticles are known to be inflammatory themselves. So you have the possibility of an inflammatory attack on the human ovary, which would kill over. Women are born with all the over they're ever, girls are born with all the over they're ever going to have in their entire lifetime. They don't make more like men make spermatozoa. Once you're done, you're done. So we have a simultaneous attack against the concentration and functionality of spermatozoa. And we have a potential reduction in the number of viable over. So fast forward, let's assume for a second that effective fertilization takes place in the fallopian tube. The ova comes down into the uterus. And what does it find? That ovum wants to find a nurturing, lush environment in which to embed itself and grow. The many a time, many a time, it will find just the opposite. A destroyed environment, yeah. bleeding, destruction. Not the place where an ovum would have any chance of implanting and growing into an eventual fetus. Not finished. There was talk. There have been papers that tried to um, tried to undermine the potential relationship. But there is the possibility of cross-reactivity of the antibody against the spike protein, which is the intent of this genetic therapy. An antibody in women who've been being subjected to that, cross-reacting with a protein that's known to be vital for the development of the placenta. It's called syncetin, syncetin, S-Y-N-C-E-T-I-N. That remains to be proven, an attack against the placenta. That um, developing fetus 
may then also be subjected to the transplacental, transplacental migration of antibodies, spike protein and antibodies from the mother, as well as the nanoparticles themselves, potentially inflicting further damage on multiple organs of the developing fetus. We do know that there's been a significant increase in stillbirths. Again, not quantified, anecdotal information that's very hard to ignore. So there you go. Um, and, and in addition to all of that, witness thalidomide, what we call teratogen genotoxicity, the, the potential for, at least in rats, given the, the, um, the mRNA shot, um, there were developmental abnormalities, structural abnormalities that may well be also occurring in, in, human, in the human fetus. And then beyond that, this baby fortunate enough to have survived all these potential threats to its existence, the baby is born and the baby is then breastfed with milk that contains nanoparticles and the spike protein and is then subjected to all kinds of other risks that are now being quantified. So that's, that's the tragic story of fertility. I can tell you, anyone listening, all the women listening, you're looking at a pathologist. I have seen the inside of the uterus hundreds, if not thousands of times, I lost count. Gynecologists don't see the inside. They cut the uterus out or they scrape it out and they give it to the pathologist. But when you open up a uterus, the lining of a normal uterus, the lining of the uterus, we call it the endometrium. Mm -hmm. The endometrium is the lushest, most vascular, fragile tissue in the entire human body. Really? You can put your finger through it. It's more fragile than the brain. You can put your finger in the brain. Much more fragile than anywhere else in the body. Intended to be so. Okay. The blood vessels are exquisitely thin. They're meant to break down once a month. Hmm. That's the nurturing environment of a normal endometrium that is being totally interfered with by the consequences of this genetic therapy. It almost seems like we're going through a speciation event. I mean, if the mRNA and the spike proteins are disrupting every part of the human body and it's generational, and like you just said, if you avoid it here, you're going to hit it there, and if you avoid it there, you're going to hit it here, it almost seems like if you were to zoom out far enough and on a long enough timeline that this is like some Galapagos Island stuff. It, it's, this is a, a breaking event. And we're right at the bridge right now. So we're right at the fork in the road. So it doesn't really feel like it. But if this is changing so much of the base code of, of, of Homo sapien, then yep. I guess like uncontacted groups who weren't vaxxed, are they going to appear different in 10 generations? Tommy, uh, what I've just related is unproven 
plausible theory. Okay. We all desperately hope it is wrong. Yeah. But the mere possibility of it, of, of such a huge significance for Homo sapiens, is something that obviously should demand the most urgent warp speed, if I could use the term, investigation. Unless that investigation proves a lot of people did criminal action, you know? I don't know. I don't know, right? That meme, the government's investigated itself and we found that we are <laughs> innocent of no wrongdoing. Well, eh. Do you think So let me let me change subject again yeah. into something that might be considered more optimistic. Okay. <laughs> um I'm very honored to have been appointed to the board of the Canadian subsidiary of an American company called The Wellness Company. Okay. It's headed by Peter McCullough, Harvey Reich, uh, and other very significant individuals. The Canadian subsidiary um, has um, Paul Alexander, myself, Mark Trozzi, Julie Pones, and and someone you might be hearing more and more of, William Mackis, the fellow who has been putting together all those uh, assembled deaths of particular demographics like pilots and mm. and soccer players and so on. Um, incredible expertise. He wasn't an oncologist before, before the colleges started attacking him. At any rate, the, the wellness company um, basically, at least in Canada, is going to have two principal activities. Uh, one is to sell um, a product, various products that are meant to be on the prevention side of medicine as opposed to the pill side of medicine. Um, and in particular, for those people that are concerned about long COVID, or even if they're not, if they've just been vaccinated, so-called, rinse my mouth out. Um, the the product I'm talking about is natto kinase. Mm. It's available from many sources, not just the wellness company, um, but the wellness company is formulated in its in its unique way. Natto kinase has two very important separate functions. And by the way, it's created by fermenting soybeans. It's a staple part of uh, Japanese nutraceutical habits, and it may be one of the reasons. In addition to the eating um, fermented Fish. soybeans. Yeah. It may be one of the reasons the Japanese um, live longer than sushi, but just okay, yeah. anyone else. Anyway, nitrokinase prevents the attachment of the virus to its receptor. Um, it also has a quite a separate function, um, and it blocks spike proteins entry into the cell as well. But quite separately from that, it has what we call a fibrinolytic activity. I spent most of my career in the laboratory diagnosis of blood diseases. And, you know, your, your blood stays liquid because of a very dynamic balance between its ability to clot, which you want it to do if you cut mm -hmm. yourself, and its ability to dissolve the clot to make sure that the blood vessels that it used to supply are opened up again. That's a very dynamic balance between the two. Yeah. Natokinase accelerates the, the breakdown of the clot, any clots that are forming which is thought to be one of the, why I nickname it the clot shot, one of the principal mechanisms by which um, 
this uh, horrible genetic therapy um, manifests itself. So natokinase um, is very safe. Decades of experience with it in Japan. Uh, the only contraindication is I'm not a I'm not a, a clinician and I'm not treating anyone when I'm saying this. I'm just advising you. Uh, it should uh, not be considered if you have a bleeding tendency. Say you've got a, a gastric ulcer or you've got a genetic bleeding disorder. You should you should ask your GP about it. But for people with a negative past history, uh, it could well be very effective um, at um, assisting people with so-called long COVID. Now, full disclosure, I don't get anything from the wellness company. I would like to. I think I was actually in talks with a guy, but I never heard back from him. I would love to get some money well i'll, I'll put you in touch with them tommy please do i think i t I talked to somebody from there last november i don't remember what happened i don't know maybe he didn't like me i i, I would i would hate to think that but maybe he didn't like so me. what 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 is really needed and not yet available in the marketplace um is a test for the spike protein itself mm. it's apparently available in japan but not in north america at this time there must be feverish work going on to develop a test because it's a hindbrainer. How to, um, just like a pregnancy test, a slide test, you know, in which you you develop a, an antibody to the spike protein and you you put it on a, on a slide, and you have a color reaction if it's if it's present. Um, that's you, there's no point in worrying or trying to detoxify yourself from anything if in fact it's not there. Uh, so. I, look out for that appearing on the marketplace. I'm sure it's imminent um, as a, a very desirable test. Was it, you know, you think I know this from the number of doctors I've interviewed, but it seems to have escaped me. Is, uh, is spike protein shedding a viable threat? Like, I'm not vaccinated, but am I, am I screwed if I'm living in a building full of vaccinated people? Have I become unpure? I, I, think, I think shedding definitely happens it was envisioned in the initial clinical trial that Pfizer was forced to release they called it bystander effect people that have not been vaccinated look out for whether or not they're coming down with certain com complaints that are otherwise unexplained uh, but do remember not to report that in the clinical trial that was actually in, in the protocol <laughs> don't report Very it God, they're very, God, very they're clever. Demons. Don't report it. Report it separately, not as part of the trial. They really um, are just a cut out from hell. That was written. That's in. That's in, in the protocol. Anyone can look it up on the internet. So, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of women are not wrong. It's principally mani manifested with irregularities of the menstrual period, because the endometrium, as I, as I described is an extremely sensitive tissue for any kind of disruption. As, as likely as not, for shedding to, um, for the effects of shedding in another person to be manifest, uh, you need to follow the, the three or four tenets of infectious disease, how infection is transmitted from one person to another. And the four tenets are this, the dose, the root, the virulence 
and the genetic constitution of the recipient. Those four factors have to be considered. With shedding, you're really talking, talking particularly about the dose. And that's why it would, it would appear from reports, anecdotal reports, that shedding, the effects of shedding are noticed largely in people who are in fairly prolonged close contact with someone who's been vaccinated. Typically, looking after an elderly person um, very, very, very regularly. Um, and often, of course, it's women that take on that responsibility. Um, that seems to be the one of the requirements, the dose. Um, we're not sure yet if exosomes with the mRNA can also be transmitted. Um, we do know that um, the with COVID-19 in infection, not the vaccine, we do know that um, the um, virus gets into the sweat um, and can be aerosolized and, and breathed in. Uh, we do know that from a, a Japanese paper. It was from Wuhan, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, with sexual fluids, um, other other ways of potentially even ex exhaling. Um, there are various routes by which exosomes could be could be transmitted in the air by touch, by sexual activity, and so on. So the mechanisms are there. Pfizer recognized it, it could happen, which means it, it probably will happen. Um, but it, it's probably short-lived because unless unless it's the mRNA that gets into you and then starts dividing um, and, in, and is reverse transcribed, again, that's still related. If it's just the spike protein itself, it's probably short, relatively short-lived or as, as long as the exposure continues. Gotcha. So for the vaccinated, is the only thing to do natokinase? Say that again, Tony. For the vaccinated, is the only thing to do is take natokinase? I mean, aside from, a, you know, exercise and sleep and, you know, all the other good yeah, stuff. Yeah, usual healthy living. Um, vitamin D, of course, is very important. Um, if, if this reverse transcription turns out to be the case, um, there is the possibility um, of using um, some molecular um, diagnostic techniques known as CRISPR, mm -hmm. you might have heard of CRISPR, to excise specifically uh, the segments that have been uh, incorporated by reverse transcription. <clears throat> so that would, of course, be uh, another opportunity for big pharma. You know, they make money at the front end, but they make money at the back end, a little bit like pharmacists selling cigarettes at one end and then... chemotherapy at the other. <laughs> I was going to say, be on the lookout. I think it was last year, Moderna came out, and they are like, we are working on an mRNA vaccine to treat myocarditis. And it was like, dude, you got to be kidding. <laughs> That's our scam. We bomb your country and then rebuild it. I guess... They're learning from the best. They're learning from the military-industrial complex. Don't 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 make money on one end, bomb a country to oblivion, and then go in. I mean, 
I mean, Kellogg, Brown, and Root, KBR, which I think Dick Cheney used to be a part of. I think it's bought by Halliburton. Kind of ironic that he was the vice president when we invaded Iraq. I'm sure it's completely unrelated. But, yeah, after we go and bomb a, bomb a country to smithereens, who do you think gets the reconstruction contracts? What do you think is going on? Everyone that thinks we're just giving $100 billion to Ukraine. You don't think there's some implicit guarantee in there that you're going to... Somebody's got to rebuild all that infrastructure. And we'll we'll give you the Raytheon missiles to blow it up, and then we'll come in on the back end. you got to rebuild those schools. Yeah. They're learning from the best, man. They're learning from the military-industrial complex. Yeah, they, they also goal of these people to be so so blatantly obvious. Um, in a vacuum, it, it's almost admirable. In a vacuum. It, it's admirable in terms of, like, a tactician. If it was a video yeah. game, you'd go, they're good. Yeah. They're getting the highest possible score. If, but, there's, if, there's one, if there's one thing that I learned taking on Big Tobacco 30 years ago, yeah, this, the old adage, respect your enemy. Oh, a thousand percent. They are, Big Tobacco and Big Pharma are light years Cunning. ahead of yeah. any thinking in this area. They have a plan to react to anything. They have a plan to react to your plan of reaction. Yeah, no, they're they're good. They're evil. But they're, they're bloody good. good. They're bloody good. I always say this, man. It's like the Nazis. Evil. You gotta kill them all. God damn, you gotta respect them. They had jet engines in the 40s. You gotta, you gotta respect. They're evil. You gotta respect China. They're evil. Mm-hmm. But dude, they're good. The moment you stop respecting your enemy is the moment they're gonna shoot you in the head. They're good. They're, they got the propaganda machine down pat. They got the predictive programming. They got all the politicians bought off. They've got the cure to the damage to the thing they caused. I mean, you know. And they, they are laughing themselves silly. To the watching bank. Us kill our, watching us kill ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm upset that I haven't gotten a visit from, like, an unofficial Pfizer guy. I'm upset that, like, a plainclothes guy hasn't maybe come up to me. And offered me dinner and, you know, kind of, you know, legally weave through some things. You know, he's not sure if I'm wearing a wire. So he's like, you know, Tommy, you do a lot of podcasts. You know, you're trying to do the right thing. How, how come you don't get a taste? How much money you make it on the podcast? What, 100 bucks a month? That's that, You can't even cover rent. You know, I work for a guy that has Pfizer stock options. Maybe if you just stopped interviewing Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone... Maybe I could work out a consulting job. You come in once a month for five minutes of work, and you get a hundred thousand in a unmarked Swiss account. How come I haven't yeah. been approached by a shady figure, Doctor well, Doctor Hodkinson? Well, Paul Alexander was offered half a million cash and fifty thousand a month to simply shut up. How come I'm not being offered that stuff? <laughs> I'm not saying I would take it, but it's kind of insulting that I'm not even offered it. I mean, I mean, I interview all these guys. I compile them. I put out the I put out the evidence. This is really all these podcasts are video testimony. I haven't been approached once. I haven't even had a like a psychological scare where like I come back to my apartment and the doors left open. Like, I mean, at least do some CIA shit on me. Come to my house, rearrange stuff, get into my head. You know, start changing numbers in my phone. Start, you know. You know, just leave a fingerprint, you know, leave a bloody fingerprint on my, like, windshield or something. I mean, uh, nothing. After 
After nothing. this podcast, after this podcast, Tommy, just wait 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, shoot at me, but intentionally miss. Put the fear of God in me. You know, I should be doing a podcast like this and a silenced bullet just flies through the window. Like something make me feel alive. They don't even. Uh, we, 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 you know, we've all had death threats in, in this game. Um, and, uh, I think it's important to keep your head screwed on that the largely internet warriors, um, there was a recent tragic death, of course, uh, Arnie Burkhardt, that famous, um, German pathologist. Oh, yeah. It was published. He died, I think just two days ago. Uh, he was 78. He was born the same year as me, as a matter mm. of fact. Um, but, um, you know, when we get to this age, natural events um, sure. are much more likely, in my opinion. Yeah, it would be a poor target to um, to knock off. Yeah. Um, it's more much more likely that you'd want to knock off Me. Bobby Kennedy, you know, than anyone else. I can't even get a death threat. I mean, what am I doing? Am I not? Am I not? Am I not putting out enough episodes? They won't even. They won't even send me a strongly worded letter. I just get banned. I mean, tempt me. I mean, make it, make a, make a devil's bargain with me. It's just I, I feel like I'm not even in their crosshairs, and it's a little upsetting. Tommy, continue what you're doing. We need you to clone yourself. Your kind of podcast is the principal way to counter the narrative, and. People need to listen, remember, and repeat. Um, listen, remember, repeat to your friends, to your colleagues, to your family. Um, we've got to get this message out. It's going to get more and more pointed as the statistics get clearer. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me just finally mention some of the statistics that seem to be coming out now, and that is your. 10 times more likely to die of a complication from the genetic therapy than you are likely to die of a a legitimate COVID-19 infection. That's one statistic that's becoming clearer. The other statistic, and I I try to avoid statistics because people's eyes glaze over, so I I tend to just use one, um, and it's this the number of deaths directly due to the the experimental therapy globally probably amount to within a minor range of of uncertainty probably amount to 20 million 20 million deaths from the vaccine that in to put that in context a vaccine is normally withdrawn from the market with five zero 50 deaths We've got 20 million here. Jesus. And 2, two billion, big B, 2 billion significant adverse events, by which I mean need to see a doctor or is hospitalized. Those are the, those are the big numbers coming out of this. Good Lord. 20 million dead and then one in four people on Earth with a significant That's side right. effect. That's right. When, when I when, two years ago, when I was doing first started doing rallies, speaking to four or five hundred people a pop, um, 
before there was any data on on this, even even anecdotal, I would ask this question: Would everyone here, who knows of someone personally, who's had a heart attack, a stroke, or a pulmonary embolus, not a sore arm and a headache, after receiving the so-called vaccination, would you please put up your hand? I was gobsmacked. A third of the people put up their hand. Jeez. A third. So I said, listen, do, just stand up for a minute, would you? Look around. Does that look like a rare event to you? So I repeated that question at the two subsequent rallies, and I got approximately the same ratio. That said to me, this is a bloody common event. Mm-hmm. It's a massacre. I was I was gobsmacked. I wasn't expecting anywhere close to that kind of reaction. A few hands maybe would go up, you know. Um, Doctor McCullough and Doctor Malone have both, uh, separately from one another, and obviously separately from you, they've reported similar anecdotes, giving speeches yeah. from California yeah. to Hawaii to India. Raise your hand yeah. if you know someone who is. Yeah, it's normally like yeah, like three fourths of the room. That's yeah. wild. Do we have time to me for me to briefly mention one other thing? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. <clears throat> it was said way back to assuage the public that this stuff that they're injecting into you, quote, stayed in the arm, close quotes. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? A first year medical student would know the idiocy of that. Yeah. Just look. Just think about it for a minute. Not like, knowing anything about medicine. That's like urinating in a pool and saying it's going to stay around you. Yeah. Right. What? So, so, guess what happens when you inject this stuff into your arm? It's painful. Yeah. You're kidding me. It's painful because the hydrostatic pressure into a relatively solid organ, the muscle breaks up the muscle it destroys muscle tissue it destroys blood vessels that are ruptured veins little arterioles capillaries and lymphatics the system that drains a one-way system that drains fluid out of your body into your veins eventually so you're injecting this liquid into you're creating a cavity that's mm-hmm. full of death and destruction blood and destroyed cells in the presence of opened up vessels veins and lymphatics that are going obviously going to carry all this stuff away into a central reservoir that's their job yeah. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that there's no goddamn way on earth that this stuff would stay in the arm. Yeah, Are you kidding me? It's that... so goddamn fucking stupid. <laughs> of course it goes into the axilla. <laughs> of course it goes into the rest of the body if the volume is enough. Of course it does. It's screamingly idiotic to say the opposite. It stays in the arm. And yet they did say it, and they said it repeatedly. It stays in the arm. Yeah, that it's was hydrostatic the... pressure into a solid organ. It destroys stuff. Hello? Knock, knock. Anyone awake there? Well, it's not only that. Is even anyone with a rudimentary 
not even an education, but just a an above brain dead IQ. You know, the body's a dynamic flowing. It's all water and blood and vessels and the entire thing's flowing. You can't get part of it to stay still, right? It's it's moving around. It's nonstop, right? It's you're constantly urinating and eating and farting and coughing and breathe. The whole thing is this just dynamic flow of gases and fluids and solids. No part of it stays the same. Yeah, no. You know why don't you fart on an airplane? Everyone's gonna know. That's next, Mr. Carrigan. We're uh, going to stop human farts because they're c- causing global warming. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if anything, this is kind of the blessing of COVID is I think if they try like a climate lockdown, everyone's going to be like, oh, would you f- eat a dick? No, they're not going to believe it. They might, though. I don't know. If they got people to believe it stays in the arm, they might believe that your farts are going to melt the ice caps. Well, they need they need something else to control us with, and you know, as CNN said, um, we're, we're out of COVID. We're into climate change now. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, COVID so last year. Climate change is new now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think with enough deaths. I think it's unfortunately going to come down to a high-profile death. I mean, right now it's not a death, but I mean, right now it's alleged that you know, famous actor Jamie Fox is blind and paralyzed from the COVID shot. It's yeah. going to take something like that. It's going to take a. Well, actually, Tommy, I, I, I think that will help, but I, I do think that we're going to need something much more dramatic than that in yeah. order to really sway. The large percentage of the population to to a certain extent i would welcome things getting worse no I, I, we, I see that logic we need to wake people up to the scale of what's going on and of course the thing that normally hits people is in the pocketbook hmm. when if the economy really tanks if they start insisting that we sell cows um and um government expropriation of farmland by the which by which of course i i would put gates's acquisitions at the top of the list yeah um if it needs in my opinion things need to get much much worse for a rewrite of democracy external threat some i mean what what do people react to you you alluded right at the start of the program external threat is one of them um the threat of, of Nazi Germany, the threat of the Chinese, and so on. Um, that was something that galvanized attention. But when it gets more, much more personal, if the threat's in your pocket, um, we might well see uprisings because of that. I'm not advocating any violence here, but but um, a Gandhi-type resistance, um, peaceful resistance. I think that'll be it. It's probably the wallet. I think it was all. I think it'll also be. Um, whenever there's a whenever there's a, a watershed moment of people realizing that resisting does change things, because for so long it's you resist and nothing happens. I think if there's ever a change, if someone ever gets punished, and you start to see that your your resistance isn't for nothing. 
I think that would probably start tipping the scales, right? Yeah. First it was the doctors, and then they came for me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be something like that. Um, Dr. Hawkinson, let's oh, wrap. By, by the yeah. way, by the way, yeah. uh, interesting, interesting little soundbite from Australia this morning. Um, Malhotra is there, mm -hmm. uh, a real mealy mouth guy, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, it, it turned, he was presenting to a meeting of the, what's called the AMP, Australian Medical Professionals. They have, they have formed a parallel organization to the American, uh, the Australian, um, Medical Association which is totally woke. And Malhotra was addressing that a meeting of that new Australian group of physicians. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Hell yeah. Parallel, yeah, parallel system. But Malhotra was saying, you know, he's always trying to sort of thread the needle, isn't he? You know, yes, I was wrong in the past, but hey, you know what? No, vaccines are really good. You know, generally speaking, vaccines are really good. Um, excuse me, there has never been a classic, random, placebo, double-blinded clinical trial of any vaccine ever. Really? Never happened. Never happened. Ask Ted Kuntz, K-U-N-T-Z. Ted Kuntz, Vaccine Choice Canada extremely well-versed in this over two decades because of terrible effect of vaccine on one of his children. Um, he studied this meticulously and visit his website, Ted Kuntz, K-U-N-T-Z, Vaccine Choice Canada, for the real skinny, in addition to what uh, Kennedy talks about, of course, the real skinny on vaccines. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there had never been a, a double. You see, you see, here, here's the real, the real equation in vaccines today, not 100 years ago. The real skinny on vaccines is this. We're trying to prevent conditions that in the modern era are actually quite rare. And for which if they were to develop, there is, there is effective treatment if diagnosed sufficiently early. Mm. You have to compare the risk of that event absent vaccinations, you have to compare the risk of that to the risk associated with the vaccinations. Mm. And it's becoming increasingly clear that it's very skewed equation, that you're going to have a lot more complications from the traditional vaccines, not just autism and so on, but a lot more complications than you would ever have from just going naked into the night. Hmm. Doing more damage than good. Yeah. I'd love it. It's, it's very worrying that, that, that there is no evidence of efficacy versus harm. No, that's insane. For any vaccine. For any vaccine. That's why I didn't know that. that, that, that there's no double blind. No. It's never been done. For none. Jesus. All of the money. <laughs> Good Lord. I didn't know that. 
That's terrifying. Oh, is it, isn't it? There's nothing I admire more in anyone or anything than a thing called consistency. Mm. Very well, consistent with big farmers general policy of selling stuff. We don't have to prove it works or it's safe. Yeah, we just, just get shut up. we just get people to buy it. Just shut up and take it, you Nazi. Stop questioning. Save grandma. God. Now, that has to be heard in the context of before COVID, I was your classic traditional doc. Mm-hmm. I believed in the CDC, the FDA, sure. my medical association, the medical journals, implicitly. I didn't have the time to go through the due diligence, due diligence of double-checking all the stats and, and conclusions. I accepted it because life is short. Yeah. And they were trustworthy, weren't they? Well, can you imagine, Tommy, what it's like? to be a very traditional, very well-trained, hard-working doc who, put, who used to do house calls when I was in general practice, okay? I mean, that kind of doc, all right? Can you imagine what it's like to suddenly having the rug pulled from under you hmm. and have all the organs that you previously trusted implicitly to be shown to be utterly corrupt? Yeah. It's a, it's a tragic day for medicine. And it's a tragic day for patients. How can you trust your doctor anymore? I saw a good quote a couple of days ago, and I don't know where it's from. But it's, whatever happens after you tell the truth is the best possible thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. And I like that. For yeah. bridges it burns, for friendships that are lost, for upheavals that it creates whatever happens from telling the truth is the best possible thing that could have happened doesn't mean it won't be painful the truth always comes out it always not in as not a time is as timely fashion as you'd like but it always comes out yeah and what we are living through what we have lived through over the last three years is certainly the most catastrophic event in medical history and it, it vies in comparison with any of the catastrophes in human history, such as Mao Zedong's Great Leap Backwards, yeah. for example, the Holocaust, for example. The killing that took place during those regimes is very comparable to what has happened during COVID. I think... Uh... We'll leave it on that note, as it is comparable to that, because it's nothing less than genocide. Um, Dr. Hodkinson, thank you so much for your time, sir. Put put in a word for me at the Wellness Company. I need to make some money on this podcast, and I haven't figured out how to. I'm I'm, get, I'm getting desperate. Uh, I might show they, up to Pfizer and just sell my soul. They'd love to speak to you, and for anyone listening, log on to twc.health. <laughs> twc.health. Put in You'll a, find it a very interesting site. Put in a word for me, Dr. Hodgkinson. Will do. Thank you, sir. Dr. Hodgkinson, I love you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Guys, thank you for watching. Till next time, Dr. Recording H. Recording stopped. Take care, brother. Guys, thank you for watching. Peace.